Stay with me. Remember Esau. <laughs> Remember Esau. All right. Now let's 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 keep pushing. I don't want to keep y'all all night. Here's what else Paul says about this. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are manifest. Let me let me go to Galatians for a minute. I, I think this is worth reading. I want to point some things out. Y'all okay? Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. This is what Paul says. Let me, let me go back up to verse 16. This I say then. Walk. <laughs> walk. In the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh let me read it again he says walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh now let me say this walking in the spirit does not mean that you breathe ether walking in the spirit doesn't mean that you have visions with your Wheaties. Walking in the spirit doesn't mean that every time you do something for God, your hair has to stand up on your arm or you have to have spiritual it's ecstatic stuff going on. Oh, I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost, whatever. That's not necessarily what the scriptures are talking about, walking in the spirit. That is part of our Pentecostal tradition. Let me say it again. That is not necessarily what the scriptures are talking about, walking in the spirit. That is a part of our Pentecostal tradition. Because early in Pentecost, because this is what people did. This is what people said. Oh, I feel God. I feel the Holy Ghost. You know, roll on the floor, run around the building a couple of times. Right. And, and this is this is kind of what they did. This was their reaction to the Holy Spirit. And then it became a tradition so that people were led to believe if this isn't what they do. Then they're not filled with the spirit. And this is why many people try to try to have this spiritual experience today. And I talked to, talk to them all the time and I tell them you're trying to reach a place of spirituality that doesn't even exist. Jesus walked in the spirit. And if you read through uh, the gospels, Jesus was pretty normal. <laughs> you know, Jesus didn't go through a whole lot of this stuff that people try to put out today as what it means to walk in the spirit. A lot of this is just our tradition. But anyway, he says this. If you walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you are led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, here's what I want you to see. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Everything that I'm going to read, the scripture describes it is a work of the flesh. It's not a devil. It's not a demon. It's not an unclean spirit. It is a work 
of the flesh. Now here we go. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is just extreme greed. That's what lasciviousness is. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. That's with an I. Idolatry is a work of the flesh. It's not a devil. It's the work of the flesh. And this is where people are getting all off into this stuff today. And everybody's talking about all the occult and the new age and the this and the that and the other thing. And, oh, this is the devil. No, no, no. Wait a minute now. <laughs> Just hold the phone. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Paul says these are all works of the flesh. Wait a minute. Do you mean to tell me that witchcraft is a work of the flesh? I thought witchcraft is tied <laughs> to demons and devils. No, witchcraft is a work of the flesh. Witchcraft is, is simply manipulating laws, manipulating natural processes trying to manipulate spiritual law and principles for ungodly means. It's a work of the flesh. But people have built this big, this big demonic occult little thing. Demons and devils don't have any power. Demons and devils can't put spells on people. Now, I know Hollywood tells us differently. And just like some of our spiritual warfare teachers today, uh, but the scriptures clearly teach that Jesus is above all principality, power, might, and dominion. The scriptures clearly teach that Jesus took captivity captive. The scriptures clearly teach that Jesus defeated the devil. He took the authority of the devil, <laughs> took it away from him, defeated the devil in his death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, and then raised us up and made us sit together with Christ in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. Now, if that's the case, what power, what spell can the devil put on anybody? He can't. The only thing he has are lies and deception. And unfortunately, many of the lies and deceptions have come in through Pentecostal traditions. All right. So, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and such like. As I have told you in the past, that they that do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. These are works of the flesh. Remember Esau. He sold his birthright. Remember the warfare between the flesh and the spirit. That's where the struggle is. 
Two nations are in your womb, Rebecca, and two manner of people will be separated from your bowels. The elder is going to serve the younger. Let me ask you a question. Which child was born first, Esau or Jacob? Esau came out first. Jacob grabbed his heel and Jacob is the younger born son, though they're twins. Esau ended up serving Jacob. In the same way, we were born naturally first. Then we were born of the spirit. The process of discipleship switches who's in control of our lives so that our natural man, the flesh, must become subject to the spirit, which is the younger. I hope you got that. The natural man, the old man, the man of the flesh, the carnal man was born first. Then we are born again. The process of discipleship is to build us up in the spirit to where our flesh and our natural man is subject to the spirit. I'm talking about the reborn, recreated human spirit who's indwelt by the spirit of God. This is what I'm talking about. This is how Paul uses the terms when he's talking about spirit. He's not talking about some mystical spooky substance out there somewhere. No, he's talking about the reborn human spirit who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So Jacob, the scripture also tells us, was born out of purpose. The elder will serve the younger. The elder shall serve the younger. Let's look at Romans chapter 9 real quick in wrapping this up. I may have to do a part two of this. This is so good. But in Romans chapter 9, I'm going to start reading at verse 7. And it says this. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham. He's talking about natural Israel. Neither, because they are the seed of Abraham, are they children, but in Isaac shall your seed be called. And this goes back to uh, the issue of Isaac and Ishmael. Who are the true seed? Who are the children of Israel? And this is another, this is another very interest, interesting conversation, which is still taking place in the body of Christ. Who is Israel? Who is the Israel of God? Who is counted as the seed? Who are the promises given to? Who are the prophets speaking to? Who are the sons and daughters of God? Who is the nation of God? Who is God going to manifest his glory in? Is it natural Israel? And then there's the church? No, there's Israel. But notice what Paul says. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall your seed be called because he is the child of the promise. So if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed? But that's another that's another conversation. That is, he says, they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God. 
So it doesn't matter if they can trace their lineage through their mother back to Abraham. This is a mistake that's happening today. And this is some of the things why we're so confused about the fulfilling of biblical prophecy, because we're still looking for natural Israel to have all of this place and position in, in the prophetic outplay of the end time. So we're looking to the restored temple in Jerusalem and we're looking for, you know, all of this stuff because we, we, we haven't remembered <laughs> what Paul said. He said, listen, they which are the children of the flesh, the natural descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they are not counted for the seed. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. Now, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise? Again, because we're not adding knowledge, because we're not adding this stuff, because we're not growing in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, we are selling our birthright just like Esau, and we are giving our birthright away. And we wonder why we stay in barrenness, because we, like Esau, don't value the birthright. Stay with me. He says, this verse nine, this is the word of promise. He said, at this time will I come and Sarah's going to have a son. And not only this, but when Rebecca, this is this. <laughs> this is Isaac's wife, Rebecca, also had conceived by one, even by our father, Isaac. Now catch this for the children being not yet born. Now, this is powerful. This is, this is powerful. The children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calls, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau I have hated. Now, what did it say? This was before the children had done any good or evil so that the purpose of God, according to election. See, we don't talk about a lot of this stuff anymore because people don't, some people, some people really don't want to deal with doctrine. They don't want to deal with sound doctrine, sound teaching. So they, they don't want to explore these things. The purpose of God is according to election. It has nothing to do with who does good, who does evil. It is the matter of the calling of God. See, this is what, this is what he said. The purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calls. This is what Jesus was trying to convey to the disciples. He said, listen, you did not choose me. Uh-oh. You didn't choose me. 
How many people do you hear give their testimony and they start talking about how they found the Lord? <laughs> As if Jesus was lost. Jesus has never been lost. We are lost. We did not choose God. God chose us. Now, if God chose us out of purpose and then gives us exceedingly great and precious promises so that these, I can be a partaker of the divine nature, this puts me and this puts you in the place of saying, if God be for us, who can be against us? How can you possibly fail in life? If God chose you according to his purpose and you are responding to his purpose and you are walking in obedience to his purpose, how can you possibly fail? You can't. So what the enemy does is the enemy builds this elaborate system of religious nonsense and have people think is all about what they do in their church on Sunday morning or, or, <laughs> or what man or woman of God they're connected to for their blessing. Listen, you're blessed because of your connection to Christ. What we have to do is move from barrenness to blessing, see? And, and one of the first things that we need to understand is this, that God's purpose is according to his election. What is election? It's the act of picking out. It's God's act of choosing. It is the act of God's free will, listen, which before the foundation of the world, he decreed his blessing. Yes, you have been handpicked by God. See, we don't realize who we are and what we have. Because we still playing church. We still waiting on somebody to come and prophesy our destiny where the fact of the matter is the scripture says God has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only one, the only person that can reveal God's purpose in your life is Jesus. <laughs> Let me say that again. The only person who can reveal God's purpose to you is Jesus because he is God manifested in the flesh. So if you want to know God's purpose for your life, ask God. Ask Jesus. He's given you the Holy Spirit who he said will lead you and guide you into all truth. So since that's what he's done, wouldn't it be to your advantage to take advantage of what he made available? I'm just asking. Inquiring minds want to know. So election is the act of God's free will that he 
exercise before the foundation of the world to decree his blessing on certain people. Now, this is not God choosing some people to bless and some people not to bless because God's blessing is available to all people. God calls all people. This is where some of our, our schools of theological fault have kind of gotten confused. And then they teach election as if there are some people who were elected to be saved and others who weren't. That's not the case. God has chosen from before the foundation of the world to conform humanity into the image of Christ. And then he calls all people. This is why Jesus could say, go preach the gospel to every creature, because every individual has the option and the choice to accept or reject the grace of God. The decree was made by choice and God determined to bless people through grace, through Christ Jesus. Now let me draw, let me let me leave a scripture with you here. And you you have read this because I hear a lot of people say, well, oh, I don't believe in predestination. Oh, so you don't believe in something God did. All right. Predestination. Let's look at it from the scriptural, from the scriptures. Hebrews chapter one or Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. <laughs> with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. What does it say? It says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Every blessing that the Father has for humanity was put in Christ. So when you were placed in Christ, it was made available to you. This is part of your inheritance. Stay with me now. <laughs> Stay with me. See, this is what this is what the natural man doesn't want you to understand. This is what the flesh re rebels against. This is what your old carnal nature rebels against. It's this knowledge. It's it's. The, you know, the scripture says that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. The carnal mind cannot receive the things of the spirit. This is why people have to have their mind renewed by the word of God. Because if you're going to grasp this knowledge of God that's placed in Christ, you've got to have a renewed mind. Your thinking has to be changed. All right. So according as he has chosen us in him, when? Before the foundation of the world. When were you chosen in Christ? You were chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. So regardless of your circumstances of birth, regardless of your, your origin of birth, regardless of any of that, God chose you from before the foundation of the world. Folk, listen, you cannot fail if you're walking out your destiny. It is impossible.
it is also impossible for the enemy to keep you from fulfilling your destiny. Why? Because you were chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world and everything that the father knew you needed to fulfill your purpose. He's already provided it for you in Christ. This is not religion. I have to say this. This is not what we've been taught in our churches. This is not what the folk want to sit around preaching and prophesying about. This is not, this is not that. This is not that. This, <laughs> this is just letting the scripture interpret the scripture. All right. So it says that having uh, predestinated us, watch what he did. Well, he chose us in him, in Christ, from before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Do you know that you stand before God tonight without blame. I said, well, what do you mean without blame? Meaning God's not mad at you. God doesn't have you on a merit system. Where God is holding against you things that you have not yet gotten under control in your life. God's not doing that. Religion does that. God doesn't do it. God chose to have you stand before him in Christ without blame. So when the father looks at you tonight, right now, he's looking at you through the eyes of Christ, meaning he doesn't see your failure. He doesn't see your fear. He doesn't see you know, your bad choices. He doesn't see your bad decisions. He doesn't see all of that. He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ. The challenge is oftentimes that's not how we see ourselves because we still see ourselves after the flesh. That's why Paul could say, henceforth, therefore, know we no man after the flesh. And if you're still looking at yourself after the flesh, you're going to see all your faults. You're going to see all your failures. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to stay discouraged. You're going to stay depressed. You're going to stay defeated. You're going to stay feeling like a victim because you've never seen yourself the way that you are in Christ. Remember Esau. Okay. Having predestined us. Now, what does predestined mean? What does what 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 do the scriptures mean when it talks about predestination? That just simply means that God set your destiny <laughs> in advance. You were predestinated unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. So even if we go back and read Genesis chapter one, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Jesus is the image of God. It has always been the intent and purpose that humanity would reflect Christ in the earth. We have been predestinated unto the adoption of children. We are children of God. You understand what I'm saying? So when we say God is our father, we're not using that just as some abstract way to talk, you know, to talk about, 
God. You know, God is my father. No, God literally is your father. If you've been born again, God has adopted you into his family, and you have all of the rights and privileges as sons and daughters of God. This is what he's given you in Christ. So how do I move from barrenness to blessing? I'm giving you all of the steps as we go forward. Most of it has to do with you understanding who you are in Christ and what the Father has made available for you so that you can walk in blessing. So he has predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. And what does he say in Romans chapter 8, verse 28? And we know, watch, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called. It didn't say to them who are called to them who are the called according to his purpose. God called you according to his purpose. Are you with me? So all things are going to work together for your good. This is what happened in Jacob's life. Remember Jacob got tricked and Jacob wanted to marry uh Rachel, I believe it was Rachel, and he got tricked into marrying Leah, <laughs> but God turned it around. And even in the midst of all of that, when Jacob was getting ready to leave, that's where we started, Laban's sons looked and said, hey, Jacob has gotten everything that belongs to our father, and he has been made prosperous Although he had been tricked and although he had to serve 14 years to get his wife, God turned it around for his good and he walked in the abundance of God. Why? Because he was born out of purpose. He was born. <laughs> he was a man of destiny. Now, here's the interesting thing, and I'm going to stop on this and I'll pick it up on the, in part two. But I want, you to, I want you to think about something. Jacob when you go back and read his life, was a walking contradiction in terms. The name Jacob means trickster. It means supplanter. It means deceiver. Jacob was a walking contradiction in terms this is why before he went back, you'll remember the story, Jacob was going back and it says that he wrestled with an angel, right? And, and the angel asked him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. Jacob had to be able to self-identify where he was because before God could change his name to Israel. Jacob's name was Jacob God changed his name to Israel. He went from barrenness to blessing as he discovered this intimate wrestling that takes place with God and knowing that only God can give the victory. Only God can teach you how to walk in the spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You cannot fight your flesh. You cannot change your flesh. 
the flesh is the flesh is the flesh. <laughs> Glory to God. The flesh is the flesh is the flesh. You cannot fight your flesh. You cannot fast your flesh away. You cannot bind your flesh away. What is the answer? Paul gave it to us. He said, listen, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The only way not to fulfill the lust of the flesh is to walk in the spirit. If you do not walk in the spirit, you will fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the spirit literally actually means you're walking in the purpose of God. You are walking in the calling that God set for you from before the foundation of the world. Because that's the only way you can fulfill your destiny is by walking in the spirit. And again, walking in the spirit isn't breathing ether. Walking in the spirit isn't having visions with your Wheaties. Walking in the spirit isn't getting goosebumps. Walking in the spirit isn't hearing God talk to you about other folk. 24 hours a day. Walking in the spirit means you're walking in the word of God. You're walking in relationship, glory to God, with the Father. That's what walking in the spirit is. Now watch. He talked about the works of the flesh, Galatians 5.19. Listen to Galatians 5.22. But the fruit, fruit is singular. The works of the flesh are plural. The fruit of the spirit is singular. Listen, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such there is no law, <laughs> the fruit of the spirit. So how do you know if you're walking in the spirit? Are you walking in love? Are you walking in the joy of the Lord? Are you walking in peace? Are you walking in long suffering? Are you walking in gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance? That's the fruit of the spirit. This is the blessing. This is is we're moving from barrenness, unable to produce the fruit of the spirit to walking in the spirit. So we're walking in the love of God. We're walking in peace. We're walking in long suffering. We're walking in meekness. We're walking in gentleness. We're walking in faith. This is what it means to walk in the spirit, not breathing ether and having visions with your Wheaties. <laughs> Glory to God. So he says, verse 24, and they that are Christ. Let me ask you a question. Do you belong to Christ tonight? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and as your Savior? Have you responded to the call of God for your life? Remember, Jesus said, you haven't chosen me. I chose you. And I ordain you that you should go and bring forth fruit. 
Have you responded to the call of God to walk in your purpose and in your destiny? Because you will never know your purpose in life. You will never know your destiny in life. You will never know why you were born <laughs> until you come to understand what the Father is doing in you because you are here for purpose. You are here to fulfill destiny. We're destiny makers. Mm. We're destiny makers. And the scripture says, last verse, they that are Christ have past, present tense, crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. When you were baptized into Christ, when you were crucified with Christ, listen, <laughs> you crucified your flesh. Remember Jesus said, if any man is going to follow me, let him pick up his cross and follow me. This is what he's talking about. Your flesh has to be crucified. And when you were baptized into Christ, your flesh was crucified. But if you aren't giving yourself to learning about the new creation reality, you're still going to walk around trying to figure out how to fight the flesh. The flesh has no power if you walk in the spirit because the elder will serve the younger. The flesh is the elder, spirit is the younger. This is what Jacob and Esau is getting into. Okay, that dynamic, that two manner of people, that struggle on the inside. Verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. If we live in the spirit, let's walk in the spirit. I say, well, Daryl, what do you do to get in the spirit? Folk, if you're born again, you're in the spirit. <laughs> Getting in the spirit is not going on a seven-day consecration fast, trying to get God to send the anointing. That's Pentecostal religious tradition. If you are born of the spirit, you're in the spirit. You, you understand what I'm saying? Folk, see, my thing is, I want to make this as simple for people as possible. W one of the reasons that you recognize the struggle is because you are born again. One of the reasons that you recognize that there is this thing going on inside you between the will of the flesh and the will of the spirit is because you are born again, because you are the blessed of the Lord, because Christ is in you. If he wasn't in you, you wouldn't even recognize the struggle. It's the fact that you recognize the struggle that you understand that the Spirit of God is prompting you to learn how to walk in the Spirit. Mm, mm, mm. What you, somebody said, what am I yielded to is the question. That's the question. Are you yielding yourself to the flesh or are you yielding yourself to the spirit? 
you have the choice. See, I have to say this again. I don't know why I keep saying this. It's not the devil. The devil isn't a problem. Who are you yielding to? Are you yielding to your flesh or are you yielding to the spirit? That's where you will move from barrenness to blessing. Who are you yielding to? Amen. Amen. Well, again, I want to thank you all for hanging out this evening. I was, as I always say, I was basically longer than I wanted to be, but I trust that you did receive a blessing out of this. If you'd like to know more um, about the uh, the ministry, you can always visit us online at freedomcreation.net. You can email me with any questions that you have, and you can send those emails to da at freedomcreation.net. And I'll get that information to you. Um, Be sure to visit the website. If you sign up for the newsletter, we'll actually send you um, a free complimentary copy of of one of our books. I don't don't even remember which one is being offered at this point. Uh,